Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We have spent a few episodes exploring some ideas that were very new to the disciples at this particular time. We're just a few months from the cross, and we are located in what I call a culturally noisy location, the city of Caesarea Philippi. The disciples have arrived at some amazing conclusions about Jesus in this location, and Jesus is revealing some powerful things about what he has in store for these disciples. He will be the foundation of a social order called the Ecclesia, or the Church. Let's read a little more about that structure from Matthew chapter 16, verses 19 to 20. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Here we are given some additional insight about this new ordained social structure that Jesus himself will be the foundation of. The church, the ones who are called out to determine together the well-being of their neighborhood, is going to be given supernatural responsibility and authority. This begins first with what are described as the keys to the kingdom of God. This first implies that the kingdom has an entrance point. And we see this idea of entering the kingdom play out many times in the teaching of Jesus and in later apostolic writing. This would mean that there are people who are not in the kingdom now. But with the coming of Christ and his announcement of the kingdom, there is the invitation to all to come under his rule. We will soon see that Jesus at this point knows the cross is coming. So passing these metaphorical keys to his disciples in this moment is essentially giving the church the ability to facilitate entrance to this kingdom after he is gone. So as called out ones, one of the strategic decisions the church will continually need to discuss will be how to ensure the doors they have the keys for remain open to the world should they wish to accept the invitation and enter. I believe this should come with both resolve and reflection and I would suggest the previous key holders were lacking in both of these things. Remember, Israel was placed with the intention of being a light to the Gentile world around them, but the contemporary expression of Jesus' day was not doing all that well in this regard. Its leadership was not being all that welcoming while they had the keys. In fact, one could suggest the doors were very much closed. So Jesus, on behalf of the Father, takes the keys out of the hand of Israel's leadership at this point, and hands them to the church to carry out this task instead. And as the church met going forward, and as they considered the welfare of their cities and villages, they would need to reflectively and intentionally consider how they would ensure the door to the kingdom would remain open through their communication, their conduct, and ministry expression. This idea of authority continues with what Jesus calls the power of binding and loosing with a direct link between what takes place in heaven and what takes place through the church. Binding and loosing was terminology known to the disciples because the rabbis of their day interpreted and taught the Torah through this process. Way back in episode 23, 
I introduced you to two key players among the rabbis of the first century, who championed two major schools of thought among all the rabbis and how they interacted with the teachings of Moses. These two men were quite revered in Jewish society, and despite their differences, it should be noted for fairness that they did have a good amount of respect for each other. The first was Rabbi Shammai, and he was a bit of a hardliner. He interpreted the law of Moses through a rather strict lens. He upheld stricter protocols for ceremony and believed in very strict moral rules for the people to follow. If he believed something was too lax, he would promote something which would bind the people or bring them back to a strict standard. Rabbi Hillel was a very different operator. He would offer more lax interpretations, sometimes watering down the holiness of God and offering technicalities to get people off the hook, as it were. If he believed the law of Moses was being interpreted in a burdensome way, he would loose the people or release them from something he believed to be onerous. He was clearly sympathetic to the people, but considered a bit too extreme in his liberal ways. However, Shammai, in his legalism, was a bit too extreme the other way. So in many cases, the law of God was being interpreted among the Jews through these two extreme lenses. But now, the time has come for these disciples to be commissioned for ministry once considered the work of others. No longer would Shammai or Hillel or other rabbinic schools set the bar for how God's ways are expressed in the world. In Jesus' messianic community called the church, this binding and loosing work is now being handed to them. It should be noted that this does not give power in any way to rewrite things that some have interpreted this to mean. The idea of things being bound or loosed on earth being done in heaven is purely about the church interpreting the teachings of the kingdom to others. It is not a case of heaven somehow rubber stamping what we do. The original language really doesn't give permission to see it that way. Instead, from this time on, the task of the church would be to interpret Jesus to the world around them and bring his ways into the context of life they find themselves in. Where liberal thought in the community would take an extreme line, the church will be placed to speak a binding word, reminding people of the moral code of Christ. But where people are bound, Jesus empowers us to also be looseners, people downtrodden and gripped with guilt and shame because of the choices they make can be made free by that same kingdom power which is given to the church to wield. So let's reflect on that for a moment. There are two major streams of thought in these comments from Jesus and therefore two significant questions to ask ourselves. First, what are we doing with the keys that Jesus gave us? Jesus continually spoke of entrance points to the kingdom of God, and the church holding the keys implies that we have some responsibility in ensuring the door is open for the world to have a chance to enter. We are called as the church to invite everyone everywhere to come under the rule of Christ. Everywhere we go, we become the door person of the kingdom, holding it open and helping others walk through. Friend, is that your posture? Is this your mindset? It also implies that we ourselves are doing the things that Jesus said to do in order to enter ourselves. Repent and believe is of course the main thrust of the entry criteria. But there's other attitudes and behaviors that we are also called to have as well. Servanthood and childlikeness are key areas that are going to come out in the near future. 
and renouncing sin along the way as we become aware of it in our lives is another. This clearly does not call for a works-based doctrine of salvation. Instead, it simply reinforces what repent and believe looks like in practice. Interestingly, when we do these things more and more, others will also take note of the difference in us, making the door open even more for them too. The Apostle Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, Live such good lives among the pagans, those outside the church, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Your good life, your journey of repent and belief, will cause others to follow you in that journey. Then we have this potent ministry of binding and loosing. It's a powerful expression that's important to do well, and I see a few challenges in how we can do this. First, the most obvious place this will occur is within the church itself. Indeed, we see this sort of ministry taking place within the pastoral letters of the New Testament. For example, in 1 Corinthians, Paul seems to be offering a binding ministry of sorts. That church seems to be getting a little too loose with their morals and their way of doing things, and Paul rightly calls them to a more Christ-like expression. However, in Galatians, the church appears to be falling for legalistic doctrines, which are driving people back to law at the expense of grace. Paul seems to be offering more of a loosing ministry to them rightly reminding them to live the more free life of grace. Part of our discipleship process is the ability to submit to the binding and loosing ministry of others appointed to help us grow in faith. Part of our disciple-making process involves extending this sort of ministry to others as well. Is this the case with you? Are you receiving this sort of ministry well? And are you doing it well for others too? There is also an outlet for this ministry in the world around us, but I believe this is a little more limited. Consider this quotation from Martin Lloyd-Jones. The New Testament is not interested in the conduct of people who are not Christians. It has nothing to tell them except they are destined for hell and for perdition. That is its only statement. They must repent, and until they repent and believe in Jesus, it is not interested in their behavior. But the moment they become Christians, it is vitally interested in their conduct. In other words, we are not necessarily the moral police of the world. We are really not able to speak into all the individual behaviors of unchurched people all around us. But as the church, we still remain concerned for the welfare and the wholeness of the city, what the Bible might call the shalom of the city, the overall well-being. So where it's appropriate, we are called to exercise a ministry of binding and loosing there as well. In a binding way, it's appropriate to speak where we can into moral issues being discussed in the public sphere. In a loosing way, it's certainly appropriate to speak into mercy and justice issues in the public sphere as well. But as we do this in the public space, heed the words of Peter. Engage in these arenas with a posture of gentleness and respect. So friend, use the keys we have. Through good conduct and speech, and even through active invitation, keep the door to the kingdom open to others. And with a gracious posture, lean into the ministry of binding and loosing as part of your own growth. Then employ these things well in your efforts to help others grow in their faith. And wisely 
when using these abilities in the world around you. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.